What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Monday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you that celebrate today. I hope all you guys are doing and feeling well. And I just want to tell you guys, man, to stay the course. Good things take time. Be patient and know that things are working in your favor. You just have to take it day by day to see a better day, man. Of course, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. We are still demanding justice for Jacob Blake. And we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody out there that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murders, because it simply needs to and it must stop point blank, period. And I want to give a huge, a huge shout out to my Los Angeles Rams for capturing Super Bowl 56 yesterday in their hometown of Los Angeles slash Inglewood at SoFi Stadium. It was great. So many different legacies have been solidified from Sean McVay becoming the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford completely rewrote his narrative and legacy. Aaron Donald's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time and is officially capped off of the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup had one of the greatest individual seasons ever by a wide receiver, let alone just a football player in general. And man, it's just super dope to see it. It was fun. It was great. That game was insane. Shout out to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I do believe the Bengals will get back to the Super Bowl. It probably won't be next season, but later down the line, I do think that dynamic duel of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will get back there alongside with the Cincinnati Bengals, man. But again, congrats to my Rams. It was a long time in the making. It's been a long time since coming back to LA in 2016. And now look at it. Six years later, the Rams are the champions of the NFL, man. It was beautiful to see. But let's talk about some basketball, man, because last week was the official NBA trade deadline. Took place last Thursday, which was February 10th. And the trade deadline was actually very entertaining. It was some trades that I thought weren't going to happen that actually ended up happening. It was some moves by some teams that were kind of interesting. And then it was some teams that have been playing bad this year that should have made some moves but actually didn't do anything and just decided to stand pat and thought they were going to get something in the buyout market but not knowing that the buyout market was terrible this year. So I really just want to talk about teams that actually made nice, productive moves. So the first move from the Indiana Pacers, I knew going into the trade deadline, just like everybody else, that the Pacers were probably going to be one of the biggest sellers in the NBA for this trade deadline in 2022, just because, you know, going into the season, they brought in a veteran coach like Rick Carlisle, who has championship experience, championship pedigree. You have a nice core of Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Demontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, and of course, the good role players to fill out the roster. But for some reason, whatever the case may be, it just was not working. And I thought this team was really going to be good. I thought they were going to have a, a lot of success in the East and make some noise, not necessarily be a top, you know, four team, but somewhere between five and seven. I thought the Pacers could squeeze into that. But for some reason, they just haven't. You know, they drafted Crystal Warte, which was an excellent pickup. But nonetheless, though, the first move they decided to do was move on from Karis LeVert and send him and a second round pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And in exchange, they received Ricky Rubio, who, of course, is out for the season with the ACL injury, if I'm not mistaken, a lottery pick this year, a second round pick this year, and a 2027 second round pick. So all in all, I kind of like this move for both sides, because if you're Indy, you get a future pick and they're actually future picks. And then if you're Cleveland, you get that wing that you've been needing to fit between Darius Garland, who's a young up and coming point guard in the NBA, and Evan Mobley, who I think is going to be a future star 
and one of the best defensive players to ever play this game. So you have a nice, solid mix in Cleveland. If you're J.B. Bickerstaff, you should be elated with this move because you already have your stars who I just mentioned, and you have the right role players around them like Chetty Osman, Isaac Okoro, you know, different guys like that. Of course, you still have Kevin Love, Dylan Windler, Lamar Stevens. The Cleveland Cavaliers have been one of the most surprising teams in the NBA this year, but getting a guy like Karis LeVert is only going to help them stay consistent and hopefully keep them as a top four seed as we wrap up this season going into the playoffs. So shout to Cleveland. That's a nice move. But staying with the Pacers, though, because this was not the only move that they decided to make around this trade deadline in the year of 2022, they also moved on from DeMontis Sabonis, which was, again, not surprising because we knew the Pacers were looking to blow it up. So what they did was they traded DeMontis Sabonis Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday to Sacramento in exchange for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Again, this move was crazy just because I don't think anybody in the NBA expected the Sacramento Kings to trade Tyrese Halliburton, especially the way he's been playing for the past two seasons, especially because he got hurt last year. I remember in Dallas, and I thought he was going to be out for a long time, but he's played a good majority of the season, and he's been playing well. And Tyrese Halliburton is the goods. And honestly, coming out of Iowa State, I did not think Tyrese Halliburton was going to be as good as he already is in the NBA. And he's a stud. And so for him to be in Indiana alongside a guy like Crystal Warte and Malcolm Brogdon with a very nice coach and Rick Carlisle, I think he's going to thrive in that system. He is going to be the future alongside Crystal Warte in Indianapolis. And so I love that move. And then you got Buddy Heald, who's a sniper. And Tristan Thompson has always been a solid big man in the NBA. Like Indiana had a really good trade deadline. They made the right moves that they did, that they needed to make in order for this rebuild to start and, you know, put it in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? A solid core is always what the Pacers have had. You know, guys like O'Shea Brissett is really good. And you got some other players around them. I think Isaiah Jackson should be nice for them. I like the Pacers, man. It's going to take some time. But having a duo, a young duo like Tyrese Halliburton and Crystal Warte is good for them. And then on the other hand, for the Sacramento Kings, this move was already paying dividends because in the first few games that DeMontis Sabonis has played for the Sacramento Kings, he already has good synergy and chemistry with De'Aaron Fox. And if you're the Kings, what you've always wanted to do is just surround De'Aaron Fox with as much talent as possible. You've given him a max contract. Now it's time for you to bring in the right guys around him. And I think getting a guy like DeMontis Sabonis is probably the right move. A lot of people are kind of trashing the Kings, but I'm not mad at this move because, you know, I know you got Rashawn Holmes, you know, Chimizzi Matu's been playing pretty good for you guys. Davion Mitchell's also been a good draft pick out of Baylor. The pieces are starting to fit, but DeMontis Sabonis is a good adjustment and a good guy to help try and propel the Kings because, Let's be honest, the Western Conference is down this year. It's a lot of injuries that are impacting that from Paul George to Jamal Murray to Kawhi Leonard, and the list goes on. But the Kings could possibly make the plan. I'm not betting on it by any means um, or any stretch of the imagination, but if they did make that plan run, Sabonis is probably going to have a lot to do with that. So that's not a crazy move at all by the Sacramento Kings, and that's a pretty solid move, again, on the other hand, for the Indiana Pacers, man. But another move. That honestly is a great move for a team that I do not like at all. They really came up in this move, and that is the Celtics trading Josh Richardson, Lomi, excuse me, Romeo Langford, and a first-round pick 
in exchange for Derek White from the San Antonio Spurs. Derek White is literally the perfect player for the Celtics to play alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know why? Because, one, he can play either the point guard or the shooting guard. He's not selfish at all, and he's great off the ball, and he defends at a high level at that. He is the perfect player. And even with that, because he can play point guard at times, you can take Marcus Smart off the ball and have him just relax and get ready to shoot in certain offensive possessions. So Derek White is the perfect guy for the Boston Celtics. I'm not even going to lie. And I know Josh Richardson was playing great for them this year, but Derek White is a much-needed upgrade over Josh Richardson. That is just the facts of the matter. He does everything well. It is no weaknesses to Derek White's game. He is the perfect guy to put alongside the Jays. So I love that move for the Celtics. And in another deal, they got rid of Ennis Freedom and Dennis Schroeder, and they bring back Daniel Tice. And Daniel Tice had a good little stint with the Celtics. I'm not going to lie, especially because he's not even going to have to be their starter anymore. He's not going to have to be the second you know, big man off the bench after Al Horford and Time Lord. He's going to be their third string big man. That's a hell of a luxury to have if you're Ime Udoka, if Daniel Tice is your third big man in the rotation. So that's another good move for the Boston Celtics. You got to give a lot of credit to Brad Stevens for that. But another move, a low-key move, actually two moves from the same team. One was low-key and one was definitely high-key. The first one is the Wizards. The first team, the only team, is the Wizards who made two transactions around this trade deadline. The first move, I think was the first move by them, was that they got rid of Montrezl Harrell and they sent him back to his home state of North Carolina. He will play for the Hornets. And the Wizards will bring back their backup point guard from last year and Ish Smith, who had a really good year when they made it to the playoffs as an A-seed and, and took on the Philadelphia 76ers where they lost in five games. And they also get Vernon Carey, who's a young up-and-coming big man. But I kind of like this deal in a sense for the Hornets. You know, a lot of people think – it's the good move. You know, everybody's been saying for the past few years that the Hornets really and desperately needed a big man. And I'm going to be honest, like, I'm 50-50 on this because Montrezl Harrell does have a consistent energy that spreads among his teammates in a positive way. But on the other hand, too, if you remember, last year when Montrezl Harrell was a part of the Los Angeles Lakers before he got traded for Russell Westbrook, or excuse me, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think he was in, involved in, in that uh, Russell Westbrook deal. But when Montrezl Harrell was on the Lakers, in the playoffs last year, when they played the Phoenix Suns in the first round, the Phoenix Suns exposed him on defense. And if you're the Hornets, you know that they're a young and immature team that has not been prepared to play defense. And that's always been their biggest weakness since they've gotten LaMelo balls that they don't guard at a high level. And now you bring in a big who does rebound, who is a pretty good lob threat and does give you some good energy, but he's not really good on the defensive end. So I'm kind of 50-50 with this deal. So it's not terrible, but... I don't really know what to make of it, but I'm not mad that they decided to do that. Mitch Kupchak knows what he's doing. He's been in some championship front offices, and he's trying to help this young up-and-coming team, you know, get a veteran big man that knows what he's doing a little bit. And so I'm not mad at it. But another move that the Wizards made, Tommy Shepard did a solid job. I, I, I honestly don't know. I do know what to make of this deal, but a lot of people kind of disagree with me. But in other news, though, with the Wizards, staying with the Wizards, they bring in Kristaps Porzingis from the Dallas Mavericks in exchange, excuse me, Kristaps Porzingis and a second round pick in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Berton. So the two Latvians in the NBA get traded for one another. Spencer Dinwiddie has a brief and short stint for the Wizards and is now a part of the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm going to tell you guys why I like this deal more for the Mavericks than I do for the Wizards, because 
my thing with Christoph Porzingis, first of all, he's seven foot three, and his biggest weakness is posting up. That's an issue. Second of all, when they gave him his max contract, I think it was worth five years, $158 million, he was still rehabbing from that ACL injury. And my third thing is that he has not worked out with Carmelo Anthony. He has not worked out with with Brad, excuse me, with Luka Doncic. And now we expect him to work out with Bradley Beal. I'm concerned. I'm going to just be honest. He's had a long injury history. He's on a max contract. I know the Wizards are trying to do whatever they can in their power to put around as much talent as they can around Bradley Beal to keep him to stay in the nation's district. But this isn't the best possible move, in my opinion, that they could have made to better this team. Because, again, just how I talked about Montrezl Harrell got exposed for his defense in the playoffs last year to the Suns, the same thing happened to Chris Porzingis when the Mavericks took on the Clippers. Ty Lue, literally, his offense was based around attacking Chris Porzingis, and it was working. And that is why the Clippers ultimately ended up winning that series in seven games, because they attacked Chris Porzingis, and they made the most of it. And so it concerns me if I'm the Wizards, but if I'm the Mavericks, the reason that I like it isn't even necessarily because of Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. It's because you got rid of the dude who was supposed to be the second star, quote-unquote, next to Luka, who didn't pan out to be that. And now you have two guys that are tradable contracts if it doesn't work. And don't be fooled. Spencer Dinwiddie could ultimately end up working out with the Dallas Mavericks because he wasn't playing his natural position in Washington. The Wizards were trying to have him play point guard. That's not his natural position. His thing is a shooting guard. He likes to put the ball in the bucket. He's not necessarily a playmaker. Like He can go get a bucket, but he's not going to be out there getting buckets and finding open teammates for good reads. Like Yeah, he can sometimes. But more often times than not, Spencer Dinwiddie is looking to get a bucket. And I think in the minutes, the few minutes that Luka's not in the game throughout the course of games, when Jason Kidd has Luka on the bench, you could play Spencer Dinwiddie and you can have him hopefully keep your offense above water and steady while Luka's not in the game. So I'm not mad at this. And Dallas Bertans, I don't know. We'll see. You know, he had a good contract. He got a nice contract, a fat contract. He was playing well. He was shooting the ball well. And then after he got the contract, he just started shooting the ball terribly and poorly he honestly just has not been the same since he was in san antonio and for a little while you know he was shooting the ball well when he was in washington we'll see if jason kidd could get him back on track but i'm not mad at this move whatsoever if i'm the dallas mavericks another move that was a very low-key move but definitely impactful between the toronto raptors and the san antonio spurs and that is that the raptors will be acquiring thaddeus young in exchange for Goran Dragic. Again, this is a solid move for the Toronto Raptors because we all know that Toronto Raptors really wanted a big man. You know, they've tried out this thing with Chris Boucher. It just has not worked out. Remember last year they had Aaron Baines. He didn't really work out. They want a big man. And so they went out and got, honestly, one of the most versatile big men in the entire NBA. And Thaddeus Young has never been known to really be a center but he is a stretch power forward that can space the floor. He has a nice mid-range shot. He's an excellent rebounder, high-level defensive player. He's going to fit into this Toronto Raptors team seamlessly. And at the same time, they also got rid of Goran Dragic, who, of course, was involved in that Kyle Lowry deal from Miami. And now you get rid of Dragic, who obviously didn't want to be there, wasn't really playing with the team, wasn't even practicing with the team. And so it sounds like Goran Dragic is going to get bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. But this is a really good move for Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, and the rest of that Toronto Raptors front office by getting a guy that can honestly play on any team in the league just because he's so versatile and dynamic. So that's a great move for the Toronto Raptors, man. And lastly, 
but certainly not least. I had to say this one for the end because, of course, you got to save the best for the last. But the blockbuster deal that happened between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, a deal, again, I did not think this deal was going to happen. I honestly thought that James Harden was going to finish off this season with the Brooklyn Nets and then explore free agency however he could. And, of course, it's only a few teams that even have max cap space available, so his options were going to be limited. But somehow, some way, Daryl Morey, Sean Marks, they were able to come together and make this deal happen. So the full details of this trade is the Nets have traded James Harden and Paul Millsap to the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Now, honestly, I don't think it was a winner or loser to this trade. I think, honestly, probably both teams won, if I'm going to just keep it 100 with you guys, which I always do, because if you're the Nets, you got rid of a guy that clearly didn't want to be there. He was frustrated. He was disgruntled. Whatever you want to use, whether it was, you know, KD's injury, you know, Kyrie being out for a certain amount of games because he doesn't have his vaccine so he can only play on away games and different things like that. They were on a losing streak. It was different things that probably played into James Harden's departure, but ultimately he got what he wanted, and now he's in Philly. And for Philly's side of this, Daryl Morey got his guy going back to his days in Houston, and you were also able to keep guys like Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey but my only concern with Philly is this. You can laugh at this when you guys hear this, but Andre Drummond was actually good for the 76ers as their backup center this year. He had a whole bunch of excellent minutes backing up Joel Embiid this year, and that's big. You know what I'm saying? They don't have that anymore, and I'm concerned with that. And you traded your best perimeter shooter in Seth Curry, who was one of your best players in the playoffs last year. So you're going to need someone else to step up and try to slightly replicate the shooting that you lost by giving up Seth Curry, whether it's Tyrese Maxey, whether it's Korkmaz, whether it's Georges Niang, who I doubt, but somebody has to step up and fill that role, and it's most likely going to have to be Tyrese Maxey. But this is a good deal for both sides. For Philly, you got James Harden. He clearly wanted to be there, and yes, I know he's out. He's going to be rehabbing his hamstring injury that he's been dealing with. His, I think it's his left hamstring, but you have James Harden now paired alongside one of the dudes who looks like a legit candidate for MVP this year, and Joel Embiid, who's been on a dominant tear and run this season, that's a dynamic duo, man. And that's a duo that few teams are going to want to see come playoff time. And if they can get together and play a certain amount of games before this regular season ends and get some chemistry and get this thing rolling, I like the Sixers, man. I'm still not ever going to be sold on Doc Rivers. And again, I'm still concerned about their depth a little bit because that perimeter shooting is a real thing. And defensively, they traded away some good depth. You know, Ben Simmons, whether you like him or not, is still a really good defensive player. But they got James Harden. I cannot be mad at that. You know, Daryl Morey, I ain't going to lie. I judged him. I was like, why are you waiting so long to trade Ben Simmons? And it paid off. So you got to give him his credit. He got the guy that he's wanted. He's got probably his favorite player in the league. And now James Harden is on the same team as Joel Embiid. And you got rid of Ben Simmons, who clearly did not want to be a part of that organization any longer and was losing millions of dollars just because he didn't want to be there at all. And so for the Nets, you got Ben Simmons, you got a knockdown shooter in Seth Curry, you got that illustrious big man that you've been looking for ever since you got KD and Kyrie a few years ago. And now they're going to look to be serious contenders once again, because Ben Simmons is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a point to prove. 
And I'm not doubting him at all. And again, I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons fan. I barely talked about Ben Simmons through all of this drama going on between him and the Sixers going back to last year's playoffs when they lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals to the Atlanta Hawks. But I think Ben could rejuvenate his career playing next to Katie and Kyrie. And it's going to be an interesting fit to see him do so, man. But as always, I appreciate you guys for making it this far, man. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports, man. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist. Featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash bloggers slash journalists. I am also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of really dope content creators and podcast hosts. So please go check us out on our long list of sports podcasts. Again, that is at Nuts and Bolts Sports. We are Nuts and Bolts Sports, I believe, on YouTube. So please go subscribe and check out our YouTube channel for all your daily sports content. I promise you guys, Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you guys from top to bottom, whatever sports you watch in love, man. But again, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops podcast. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That is how we share, grow, and expand the pod. I will talk to you guys soon. You guys stay safe out there. As always, peace and love gone.